leading up to Easter, most hated Easter candy is what? Peeps? Yes. <laughs> that is the most hated. I don't know when else you have peeps, but on a scale of one to 10, 16%, they hate them. 57% prefer the bunny-shaped peep, while 43% prefer the chick-shaped peep. You know, there's all kinds of different flavors, right? They don't just come in the original flavor. They come in a variety of crazy flavors. This year alone, six new flavors. You've got the original donut coffee shop flavored marshmallows. Then you got the original donut coffee shop caramel macchiato flavored. A sparkly wild berry, tropical burst, strawberry, and cotton candy. And here I thought Peeps came in four flavors, yellow, blue, and red. Yeah, and if you microwave them, it just turns to a blob. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Touchpoint. Welcome to episode number 326 of the most popular healthcare marketing podcast on the interwebs. Sure. Uh, how do we quantify that? <laughs> Isn't that same the same study, study same as study. the peeps? <laughs> yeah, it was right below uh, where they talk about the hot tamale flavored peeps. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That over there is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith, and we certainly uh, are appreciative of you tuning in for yet another episode, another week of Touchpoint. Touchpoint.health is the website. I want to give a quick plug for that before we get started. If you make your way over there, you'll notice something called the TPS report, and that is an email that comes out on Mondays with five articles from around the industry to start your week. So hopefully a little value add. would love for you to, to, to pop over there and sign up again. Touchpoint.health is the website. We'll pause here for a minute, take your digital device, do that, and we will be back with today's show on the other side of this break. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you.
So last week, Reed, you and I were talking about our jobs, and I, and I was mentioning that in my team, we're slowly starting to take on support of digital channels for internal communications purposes. Hmm. And, and that includes in email communication that we do internally, digital signs that are in the different workplaces that are out across our health system, and as well, the intranet, so to speak. I know that you have also, in your work been dabbling in uh internal communications uh, yes digital tools yeah like a lot we have uh, sharepoint as an internal instance of um, the internet if you will or the intranet as we're calling it here different departments you know have their own page and that's where you find things like links to your expense report or how to request time off or you know those types of things a lot of policies procedures even kind of include some of our, you know, learning management system type pieces or policy. What is it like compliance stuff? Yeah. Right. So, right. So yes, I have kind of been in and around that to some extent. We're also looking at how to best communicate with our employees, which is a different question to answer than do you have an intranet or not? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's probably if we could go back and redo it and redefine the way we, we communicate with our employees, that's probably how we would start now, right? Is actually asking what are the ways they prefer to be communicated with because we'd probably retool our, our strategy. But the internet in and of itself is something that if you work at any company in which you have a lot of employees that need to access information internally, the internet has been kind of standard de facto in this digital communication space for ever since I've been in business, even well before when I was in digital been around for a while the internet you know i was kind of thinking back i think when i first started doing this the intranet were bulletin boards behind glass inside of elevators <laughs> and i'm not being funny i mean it's like that literally was our yeah. he did we, yeah. Yeah. we posted information and then it did evolve obviously sharepoint or kind of that hierarchy based file management type system is seems to be kind of the way we started and and there is a, still a place for that which i think we'll get into some of these things i don't think we need to define what an intranet is although we went ahead and uh searched chat gpt and asked them what is an oh. intranet and I'm just curious, let's let's read back their definition. They gave us uh, four bullet points, and we'll, we'll do a bullet point by bullet point here, Reed. So the first thing when we ask ChatGPT, what is an intranet? It says an intranet is a private computer network designed to be used within an organization or company. Yeah, I don't have any disagreement with that. It is for the internal audience. Second statement, it uses internet technologies and protocols Again, we don't have to get too far into that. But its content and services are restricted to internal users only. Okay, reinforcing the fact that an intranet is primarily used for people that work for an organization. It goes even further. Third bullet point of the definition says that an intranet can include a variety of resources such as internal websites, email systems, that's interesting. Databases, file sharing, and other applications that allow employees to collaborate and communicate with each other. I generally agree with that definition, except it was interesting how they kind of slipped in email systems into that. Because I never thought of an email system as an intranet. No, because it's not internal only, right? I think that's where 
part of this comes in, which is the the last statement here is typically protected by firewalls, other security measures to ensure that the information or the content or whatever, you know, however you want to talk about it remains private and confidential. Internets are used by business organizations of all sizes to improve communications, streamline workflows and enhance productivity. So yeah, I mean, I think that is the goal, certainly. Yeah. So I think we generally grasp that an intranet is where internally you could share information, you can collaborate, you could do all of these different things. And even though uh, ChatGPT went on to append this definition with some of the latest trends, the latest trends actually start to maybe break up that concept of it just being sort of that static behind the firewall thing. One of the first trends they indicate is that uh, it's becoming increasingly mobile first in the way it's designed. And I think the intention here is that intranets are being accessed by p- your employees or people with behind the firewall with their phone, which to me, if I would do that on my phone, that would require I'd have to log into the VPN on my phone before I can actually do that. Yeah, the mobile first piece, uh, as well as the second bullet point here, personalization. So they're talking about internets uh, becoming designed to allow users to personalize their experience with features such as you know homepages, news feeds, et cetera. I think this all goes back to the idea that uh, one, not everybody does the same job, and two, not everyone has a computer, right? So we have a lot of people that are up, around, moving, maybe don't even have access to email in a lot of cases, So again, the mobile first piece and the personalization uh, allows us to, you know, put content in front of people where it makes the most sense and then, you know, certainly do it in a way that they can access it. Another trend is social features, things like messaging, commenting, liking. Now we're not saying that we're doing it on social. I know that there have been in my lifetime, a number of organizations that maybe have stood up an intranet like capability, like on a Facebook closed group or something like that. But I don't see a lot of organizations doing that anymore. And what I think they're trying to say here is that they're bringing over features that you see on social channels into the intranet to make it more of an engaging environment. Again, like why would you go there? Like what, what's the hook? What's the draw and the expectation of how they engage with content and information. Next bullet point here, integration with other systems. Uh, intranets are being integrated with other systems such as HR, CRM, project management tools, et cetera. And yes, very much seeing this across the organization, especially as it relates to things that they need to get to, like how do I log in and see my pay stub or request PTO, you know, things, things like that. Even uh, uh, philanthropic pieces or like foundations that are maybe, you know, where they can give money, you know, stuff like that. So nurses can pick up shifts, trade shifts, et cetera. All this has to kind of go through, you know, the kind of the HR uh, portion of the equation. And a lot of the benefits of that is that if you log into the internet, you could be effectively doing a single sign-on to all of these tools as well, right? So it makes it easier to access these things. Okay, some other trends, analytics and reporting. I'm surprised it's like a latest trend. But but, uh, yeah, they're now using analytics and reporting to measure effectiveness and engagement of their internet and to make data-driven decisions. And I know SharePoint has some pretty sophisticated ways of doing that with their platform. They can, they, there's a lot of great information you can find about how people are accessing actually individual pieces of content on SharePoint, which is really helpful if you're creating an environment that you want to ensure that the content is being seen by employees. 
Yeah, it goes back to the personalization piece, right? And then the last couple here kind of run together a little bit. Uh, we've got AI and chatbots. So again, think about from a consumer perspective, why do we have those? Well, it's kind of the DIY or the self-service portion and, and gives you, you know, folks the ability to triage and get their own answers. Well, it's no different here. You know, how do we get access to information, you know, without having to talk to somebody? Well, you know, here, here's a good option. As well as cloud-based solutions, which is the last point, much more flexible, much more scalable. A lot of these things used to be on-prem and localized. Now, being able to put things in the cloud allows us to do all the things we just talked about between mobile and personalization and the social features and all those types of elements, if you will. Uh, and give it the ability to you know maybe have a lower maintenance cost, uh, take advantage of other clients and their feedback, you know things like that. Yeah, I think internets are kind of following a similar trajectory that public facing websites are as well, which you know just shows that it is a technology platform. But a lot of times when you talk about internets in our organizations, the question of ownership, comes up a lot. I know it has recently with us as well. So Reed, why don't we do this after the break? We'll come back and we'll actually get into the crux of the conversation today, which is something that's been asked a lot and quite frankly, has a lot of different answers. And that's who owns your intranet. And we'll do that right after this break. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. Okay, so before the break, read, we were talking about what is an intranet. I mean, I think maybe people tuning in there are going, okay, wait, I don't need this technical, you know, like overview of what's going on, blah, blah, blah. I came in to figure out actually what some of the trends are here. So we're going to dig in to some some of the interesting conversations around intranets. And as I mentioned to you, that one of the most interesting one is who owns your intranet? Yeah, where does it go? Again, broken record, digital hard to know where it starts and stops, falls in all of these other departments. And this is one example, right? So we're going to go through some different areas, whether it be HR or IT or whatever. But again, it's, it's hard to delineate, you know, where what we do starts and stops. And this is a, this is one that's been around probably a little bit longer mm-hmm. uh, because internets have been around. So this conversation is not necessarily new, but it's like, how do you think about it? Chris, you found an article from Happio, which is a uh, SaaS-based platform used for internal communications uh, by a lot of organizations. And so they, they have an article, Who Owns Your Intranet in 2023? And so maybe we, we knock through a few of these and, and kind of give our, our two cents around some of these different areas that they point out. Yeah, and I love the tone of this article. This is sort of why we're, we're using this one as an example. There are a lot of articles that are similar to this. But so they, they posed a question, who owns your intranet in 2023? And one of the first bold points in their article says, well, intranets are owned and managed by internal comms, of course. 
Because the intranet is more than just a place to store documents. It's a place to spread organizational news and connect teams and offices and share things that happen around the organization. So in a sense, the thought around intranets being owned by internal comms is that the intranet is that holy grail, the, the place where we want to drive people to and engage people through this. And that's really the goal of what internal comms does, is they bring people together and they drive engagement and they create varieties of different ways for people to go to this place, this holy grail, as the article calls it, of the intranet to access all of this information, but also collaborate and be productive. That's why they say the digital workplace is definitely built on internal comms's land. How do you feel about that position? I'm sold. <laughs> let's, let's give it to them. No, it does. Yeah, it makes sense. And you go back to some of those trends we pointed out earlier about being mobile friendly and personalization and the social aspects and things like that. That is the expectation, you know, the interoperability between a lot of these uh, systems and services and, you know, kind of their one, their one viewpoint into the, to the company, you know, a lot of that's driven by communications. And so that, that does make sense. However, the second kind of group they call out, which is a very common one is IT, you know, intranets or technology. So it's managed by IT. That is the case maybe broadly across the industry because of the prevalence of something like SharePoint, for example, that is a file management system. It's something that was built, maybe to log help desk tickets and, you know, some of those types of things maybe. So I know where they're coming from here. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, think about it too. One of the things about the internet is it's behind the firewall. It's a place where you safely and, and securely share information that you don't want out in the public. So I get the sense of like IT wanting to own this, right? Because that's their whole jam, making sure that they're keeping a secure and uh, environment where with data management that's up to date, always there. And particularly when we talk about like logging into multiple different applications, that's a concept called single sign-on, which is very much something that's in IT's realm. Plus, I think the last thing this article points out is that it's typically built on technology that IT has in their budget line item. SharePoint is an offshoot of Microsoft 365, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is an investment in business operation technology, like we talked about last week. That definitely is an IT thing. So I get it, like IT being yeah. the intranet owner in this particular case. However, however, there's another point, right? <laughs> yeah. So that other point is intranets are a people solution. You want your employees there engaging with policies and procedures. You want to integrate tools to let them apply for leave and record their time and do performance reviews and all that that sounds a lot like an HR kind of thing, doesn't it, Reed? It does. I mean, this is about people, right? I mean, that's what this is. Well, who's in charge of that, to your point? It's HR. Learning management systems, follow them. Yeah, I mean, I can make a pretty strong case that they kind of own this space. Maybe internal communication should be under HR, but that's a, that's a different show for a different day. I, I don't know. <laughs> Wait into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can see how it makes a ton of sense for, um, again, your learning management system, a lot of the policy and compliance pieces, you know, things people are needing to get to and understand, even the help desk, but things like paychecks, 
and, and whatnot, you know, kind of all flows through their shifts, you know, et cetera, hiring, employee paperwork, you know, quick links, benefit information, retirement, you know, all that kind of stuff. So again, all those important topics people want to know more about does flow through that department. However, they do have a fourth here, which, I, you know, this is still kind of under HR to me for, to some degree. So I'll kind of roll into it, but is the knowledge management team, right? Mm. So this is all about information. So it must, must be to the knowledge management team. Well, I don't know of any hospital that has a knowledge management team. I don't think, or maybe they do and they call it something differently, you know, something different. But again, I kind of see that all in that kind of that HR piece. Knowledge management, another way to think about it is like all the people that manage all the policies and procedures and keep them like up to date. Like where do you want to go to get the latest information about FMLA? That UTIPIC comes from a policies and procedure repository, which sometimes is owned by HR and sometimes it's owned by IT. But that's the knowledge management component of this, right? Getting access to all of that that data and making sure that you have the latest versions of that data. The, the last thing you want to do is have an internet where you're looking to get the latest medical leave policies and you're getting one that's outdated 10 years ago, right? So I get it. I get that one too. There's one more point though that this article brings forward, which I think is really interesting though, Reed. The last point they state though is who really owns the internet? Well, it's the community. That's who. All of them. Yeah, this is where you get into the governance piece, right? So, I mean, I think this is one of those elements, one of those thematic pieces of the organization that does find its way across all these departments. And so there has to be a governance structure where you're still going to have somebody kind of orchestrating all of this, but a lot of these parts and pieces we talked about still will reside in those areas of the organization is, is kind of my thought. So if you're creating, let's say, an intranet site for your particular department or your particular uh, project that you're doing or whatever it might be. Like, for example, you know, rolling out Epic, you may have an Epic centralized communications hub. Well, who owns that are the people that are engaged in that, right? So that's why we're seeing more and more intranet where it's like a shared governance where you have the actual business users are in there updating content on their own intranet sites. They're being encouraged to actually put information on there, updating events that might be happening or whatever it might be, right? And then partnering with all these other aforementioned departments to make that intranet really a dynamic, living, breathing place for them where they can actually engage and get all the right information. So I don't know if we answered the question about who owns the internet, Reed. I think a lot of people do. A lot of people do, and I think it depends on your organization of who that orchestrator is. It may make the most sense that it's somebody in HR or marketing, but I think you, you've got to kind of uh, kind of walk through that. You know, do you have a person that has the right thoughts and skill sets to really orchestrate what's going on? Right, like they're not creating all the content and some of those types of things, but you do have to have somebody that oversees it and then make sure that you know, the parts and pieces coming out of these different areas of the organization all kind of meld together into one experience the employees, you know, want to engage with. Well, and I think this really speaks to the fact that you need some form of governance. And so after the break, Reed, you and I will come back and we'll talk a little bit about internet governance, 
Some of the research that a company that we do know very well, Simpler, put together a an overview of intranet governance, best practices, roles, and strategy. And we'll talk about, um, and we'll share some of their findings right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, so mentioned a little bit of this before the break, talking about governance. I think this is a good kind of practical takeaway of how do we need to think about this? How does it get structured? This isn't, uh, to our earlier points, just up to one person or live in one area of the organization. This touches a little bit of everything. You know, what do we do? What does that mean? Well, you got to have a governance piece. So you mentioned this article from Simpler called Internet, uh, Internet Governance Best Practices, Roles, and Strategy. So let's start off by talking about what does it mean by internet governance? The policies and administration structure that guide the implementation and running of the employee experience platform. Oh, there's a new way to call it the internet, the employee experience platform, or EAP. We'll call it EAP from now on, Reid. <laughs> but governance allows that internet to sustain ongoing, meaningful communications, supports decision-making, supports planning, and quite frankly, ensures that your internet stays up to date. It is still a, an ecosystem, right? And so this idea that you know, you've got to have some sort of administrative function or structure to it, it does make sense. Uh, right. What is it for? What does it do? You know, it's almost like a charter to some extent. What's the point of it? You do have to have that kind of administrative layer, if you will. And you have to be inclusive of all aspects of the organization, including all of those different departments that we talked about to ensure that they're, they're involved in this. And in addition, as we talked about one of those audiences being the users themselves. So you also have to have various departments and locations as part of this governance structure. And then as with every governance approach, you have to make sure you define clearly roles and responsibilities for each member of that committee. It gets to be a little bit tricky. Now we're getting into the world of governance and matrixed environments and stuff like that, Reed. But I still think that, you know, as we look at like intranet best practices, this would behoove everybody to kind of think of it as like a shared environment that we all have a part of. Well, they call out three different types of ownership models uh, in this article. And so I think, again, this is something maybe as we as we kind of walk through these layered over your organization, see what you think you are, right? And does that make sense? Is that the best way to think about this? So the first one is a centralized model. And this is where there is a single owner in place that has strict guidelines, processes, you know, for the contributing authors, et cetera. The reason for this is so you have some level of consistency. It can cause, uh, they call in here, frustrations for the other teams, probably because there's some bottleneck, right? Like it's like everything's got to go through one funnel to get, you know, get anything done, to get on the internet. I want to build out a different experience. I want my area that, you know, I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. Well, it's not built for that. You know, you're forcing everything through a, a tighter set of controls, if you will. I see the benefits of like having a centralized approach because 
we always talk about consistency, right? Consistency being a good factor of user experience. Mm-hmm. I get the desire to try to standardize across the organization, but you are right, Reed. It kind of sets up that bottleneck, right? If you have one team that owns it all, everything has to go through that team and that slows things down and it makes things a little bit, yeah, a little bit frustrating. But the opposite of that is the other dominant ownership model, which is decentralized, where everybody manages their own activity. No holds barred. Oh boy. As this article calls it, right? That gives us that flexibility. But as the article says, it can result in the quote, wild west of intranets. (laughs) (laughs) No consistency. Anything goes. I've seen that probably more often than not, right? It's just like we kind of give everybody a basic set of tools and then stepped away. Yeah. So as you navigate between the IT quote unquote homepage and the HR homepage and the marketing homepage and this way, like they're all wildly different. You can't find anything. Uh, Again, you run the risk of people giving up on it because there could be an area that's really good. Like they've got somebody that understands like in, you know, a random case, like you got somebody in a department that really understands SharePoint and wants to spend a ton of time on it and they can dedicate the FTE or FTEs to it. And, but then you can't rep, you know, the, the organization is not replicating that same experience. And so you're like, oh, I can't find anything over here because it's not like this other one. Anyway, it's, it's tough, right? And then, then third and finally, there's, there's a hybrid model or there's a little bit of a mix of both as they call it. So it's, it's governed by a committee right, with representation from across the organization. But they maybe as a group even set up principles and guidelines that everybody agrees and abides by. And so I think this is probably your best bet. Again, if I'm just, if I've got to choose, because then you've got a group that is deciding and is kind of holding everyone accountable, you know, kind of being the police, if you will, across this. this uh, and so if new features need to be added, if new things need to be done, it's not being done in a vacuum. Again, in a perfect world, this is kind of what you would point to, I think. Yeah, and I get that, right? I mean, and in fact, that's how we're kind of looking at our SharePoint environment. We're in the middle of a SharePoint environments. Half of our hospitals are on SharePoint. The other half are on other intranets, and we have to figure out the right strategy. By adopting a hybrid, I think that gives you a little bit of flexibility, right? Because then now you have a governance, appropriate governance that's there. You have people that you can turn to at your localized level if you're trying to build a you know a, a, a page on, around that particular clinical unit that you're representing that you could turn to and say, oh, I need to ensure that we have all links to all of the places that IT covers or all the HR systems or what have you. The other thing is, is from a communications perspective, we were looking at multiple different ways that the SharePoint homepages look and kind of came to the realization that there's not just one best practice. There's mm-hmm. three or four different models that actually can kind of work depending on what you want to do. And so our thinking, and we haven't finalized on this yet, but our thinking is we want to offer like, well, here's four different ways you can kind of set up your homepage. So they're consistent, but also unique enough for you to build that out for your environment. It makes the most sense to me. I know it's a little easy to say that from afar, Right. But it does allow, uh, and not just for an intranet, any large initiative like this, you know, if you have, if you think about anything else in your organization that is trying to be implemented or installed, if like a person is driving that and leading that, 
you get pushed back, people step away, they don't fulfill ownership. Yeah, there's a lot of scenarios that happen. But if you go down this path of kind of a shared governance model, I do think that that then brings some ownership to the equation and accountability, quite honestly, where people are willing to, you know, push and, and develop and, and point uh, towards these best practices. To close this out, let's they leave us with, in this article, five governance tips. If you're going to be doing, particularly in the hybrid model, why don't we just quickly go through them one by one? So the first one is establish a committee that meets regularly to discuss updates and challenges. Okay, that makes sense, right? You want to meet, you want to ensure everybody's in, in alignment. Again, identifying the right people there. I get that one. And just in and of themselves, the second thing they call out is to have clearly defined roles and responsibilities uh, for the people on the committee, but also what goals are we working towards, any sort of process or duties that the, the committee is going to either put in place or be responsible for. And then establish policies and decisions about the ultimate structure and objectives of your internet. It might even help to, to, to document those because you could use that when a new department or a clinical unit comes to you and says, well, I want to create my, you know, my internet about data and analytics. Well, great. Here is sort of the structure and objectives of what we're trying to, what you should be accomplishing by doing so. It gives them kind of clear direction. Communicate all of this, the policies, the decisions, you know, in a concise and clear way. I think those are key words. <laughs> we could spend a lot of time on that across the organization. So everybody knows, you know, what's coming, what to do if they have issues, you know, what the plan is. You might even say you could create your own intranet page on intranet policies. Okay. The last one is probably one of the best ones. Decide who is the ultimate administrator of the intranet. <laughs> All I'm going to say is uh, not it. I don't. I don't feel a desire to have that role. But the ultimate administrator of the internet is basically once they know their people's voices will be heard. You have to have like a single place where you want to go and to make ultimately make the decisions. So I think at the end of the day, Reed, you do have to find an owner or an ultimate administrator of the internet. And chances are that may be IT, but you need to have one so that you can kind of set the goal and and you can make sure that. There's someone there to make the decisions. Well, good article. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Would love to know what folks are doing kind of in the intranet space. Is it in your world? Are you participating? Um, you know, what kind of role do you play? Are you in charge, not in charge? You know, what's that look across your organization? So reach out to us. We'd love to hear kind of what you're thinking, what you're seeing. Uh, and what questions you're getting. So we'll take one more break and uh, come back and wrap up the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Well, uh, awesome, awesome show. Great topic. Uh, really interesting. Something that I'm sure everybody is uh, in the middle of starting in on. But, but in any case, something that's top of mind for folks. So really do want to hear uh, kind of where you all find yourselves. All right. The TPS report mentioned it early in the show. Uh, Touchpoint.health is the website. If you sign up there, 
you get this uh, email once a week. Also on there, besides a few articles are a few links to industry conferences, one of which is the Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit, Mm -hmm. April 17th through 19th in Austin, Texas. So as you're listening to this, we are just days, uh, some may even say hours away from seeing you all there. So we'd love to know if you're going to make it. Reach out, let us know. We'd love to connect while we're there. We'll be recording, certainly. But uh, more than that, would just love to uh, chat and, and catch up. So uh, be sure to reach out. Looking forward to it. Yeah, come reach out, find us next week. And uh, and uh, our next episode next week will be actually at the conference. So um, that'll be a fun one to record. Chris and I will be speaking. Uh, check us out. Or or maybe you've heard us enough and you want to go see something <laughs> else talk. That's, uh, that's okay, too. That's okay, too. Um, but anyway. All right. Well, let's. Uh, what what recommendation do you have today, Chris? Reed, I'm going to recommend a television program that's back for its third season. Uh, I've may have recommended it before. I think you are a big fan of the show too, which is Ted Lasso mm. on Apple mm-hmm. TV. It's now in season three, and I'm going to tell you that show is probably one of the best feel good shows I've ever watched. And really funny, humorous. And season three is promising to be really good. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it, Reed, but there are already four episodes in. This season, right, the, the, the overall thread is that they attracted to their, their soccer team or their football team a big player called Zava. The intention is he's like this, this great player bringing them onto their team to make them a winning team this year. And it, it's so surprising, right? As I watch this show that every week you kind of get into, are they going to win the the soccer game? Are they going to win it this year, this week or not? Right. And after a while, it's, you start to realize that's really not the important part right. of the show, right? right? It's about the actual characters themselves and the characters are just hilarious. And, you know, I am, a big fan of all of the the actors and actresses that play on the show, but my personal favorite is uh, obviously Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent. He's one of my favorite mm. actors in the show. He's great. Yeah, it's a good show for sure. If people haven't seen it, I, I have not started watching the newest season. I try to let it build up a little bit, a few episodes. I mean, and then then I'll probably probably dive in. So great recommendation. Really, really yeah. good. All right, I'm going to recommend uh, um, a deadbolt. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I know that's uh, I know that's exciting for most folks. Uh, no, we we have a, a little rental place and do some short term rentals and stuff. And so I, I just recently added, you know, Yale Y A L E uh, is a pretty common brand, you know, relative to like doorknobs and locks and all that kind of stuff. Well, they make the Yale Assure Lock 2, which is uh, one of these deadbolts that has the little keypad, you know, on the outside of the door. So if you had a, a short-term rental uh, or renter, you could give them a code, right? And they can get in. But man, it w- it's actually great for just anyone's house. So if you need somebody to go by and check on something, you can actually use a real key as well. It's not just the keypad, but it also has a version with, with a key key as well. But again, if you wanted somebody to stop by and you know feed the pets or water the plants or whatever, you can give them a code. Uh, you can have it set to expire after a certain amount of time. Other members of your family can download the app and also access it. But you can just check the app and it'll tell you whether or not the, the door is open or closed. It's locked, unlocked, all that kind of fun stuff. And you can control it from the app. So really slick, clean, uh, seems to work really well. 
uh, the Yale uh, Assure Lock 2. I love it. I love it. I like how everything is so like controlled by an app nowadays. I love that. Anyway, it, it's compatible with most doors and you know all that kind of fun stuff. So it's uh, anyway, it's good. It's good. It's worth checking out. You can find it certainly online, but I think I picked mine up at Home Depot. So that's awesome. Well, uh, another great episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Look forward to seeing you at HMPS in Austin, Texas. Again, reach out. Let us know what you're up to, and if you're going to be there. Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.